Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the exploration and cultivation of the outside genius found in neurodivergence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This week, we're going to tackle a new topic, the topic of social intelligence and our higher abilities in it. Now, this week, I got a little bit of a smackdown on LinkedIn by a neuroclast therapist or something like that, who said that she does not support the superiority of neurodivergence theories. And I thought, well, you ought to, because we need that. We actually do need for us to hear that we have things we're good at that other people may not be good at. Because the truth is, we have been denied our things we're good at for a long, long time. And I'm sorry, but the strength-based approach still does not give us what we're actually good at and how we move through the world because it makes us fit into a culture that works completely against us. So our strengths are not going to actually deliver us. Our strengths need to be manifested outside the system. And we're in this beautiful moment where we're going to probably lose our system here in about 10, 15 years. And we should be cultivating our strengths outside the system because that is what we're known for. That is what our history has shown us. We know that the creatives, which is what our creative intelligence, neurodivergence have in spades is creative intelligence. We know that the creatives are the ones that cause the transitions of society. So when a new society is built, it is built by the creatives. When an old one dies, the transition is done by the creatives because they're the ones who can see and create that black box where you're given variables, you're given situations, and you can create something. We do not regurgitate what we know, not that we can't, we can, but we are the ones who can create something based on knowing parts, all right? We can create a new whole. And that is the gift of being creative. It's that black box intelligence where you get either an end or a beginning or a middle part and an end or partials of all, and you can create new ways of doing things, new ways of seeing things, new ways of being things. My whole goal for this podcast is to show us how we move through the world in certain ways that are higher functioning, because the truth is we do, and we have not been shown them on purpose. We've we've not been shown them so that we can do our job as helping transition. I am not going to back down from the fact that I believe that there are certain things I'm very good at, and I need to go into them, and I need to talk about how I'm good at them so that it can be validated so that other people can trust that they have that too, and that's why I do a higher abilities. It does not mean we are superior beings. What it means is that we have abilities that our society does not recognize and needs They need them a lot. And those are the higher sensing. And they lead to us having more inputs and having better, more complex patterns. And we have been denied that knowledge. And I think that needs to change in order for us to step up as a role and accept that we need to create a new way of being because ours is going away. Ours is falling apart. And if we don't do that, there's going to be nothing to transition to. So I'm sorry, you may feel that speaking of the higher abilities of of neurodivergence is a negative, I just totally cannot agree. And as a futurist, I'm speaking from a futurist standpoint, we absolutely need it. So I will continue down this path. If you find this offensive, I apologize, but this is what's necessary for the healing of our group. Anybody I know who works with African Americans will tell you that they needed to have black power and black lives matters so that they could be equal 
not superior, just equal. And the idea that we shouldn't be talking about our abilities and our new, different ways of moving through the world as an asset to the, the whole species of humanity is ridiculous. It's an asset. We need to know who we are. We need to know what our, our gifts are, what our strengths are, what our, our higher abilities are so that we can give back and make this place a better world, a better humanity, a better social group. And so here I will start with social intelligence because I do believe we have a higher level of social intelligence. It may not be recognized in our culture, but our higher awareness, our higher sensing, the more inputs we're pulling in actually gives us more of a realistic view of what we're in. And I, for one, think that we should start recognizing that and stop gaslighting us into thinking that we don't actually know what's really going on because we are too aware. And that is why we're struggling. It's not pretty out there. We do not live in a healthy culture. We live in a toxic culture. And the fact that many of us are breaking down in it means that we should be pivoting out of it. AI is going to give us a great opportunity. I would like to help people figure out how to find their niche with it and create a brand new path that's custom to them. Because guess what? The system's falling apart. And unless you have a, a new path to walk, you're not going to really have a path and the ones that seem to be staying are absolutely horrific. The hours people are working, the toxicness of the environment, just the total disregard for their health and well-being. At the same time, almost no pay. We have completely, utterly forgot the social contract that was made between our society, which was you used to get a retirement for working these crappy jobs that were line jobs and jobs that like depleted you. Now that is gone. We're not getting retirements. Companies no longer pay us for being loyal and good workers. There's no benefit to us. We don't have retirement. We don't have, we have in many cases, not even a livable wage. And the social contract for working in this horrible place has broken. What people don't know, though, is they've forgotten they have other choices. There is self-employment. And with AI, there's going to be so much more available self-employment options all we need to do is go figure them out. And we, as the creative intellectuals, we as the creative artists and makers, we are the ones who are most likely able to figure that out and can build a new way of moving through our society, a new economy, a new way of being that's healthy. And that's our role. And that's what we're supposed to do. I think that's a special gift right now, particularly. And you guys have a superior ability at it. And I think we need to go into that. We need to explore it. And I will not back off that. Do I believe neurotypicals can do this too? Yes, I do. I believe that they can. But I also believe there's plenty of neurotypicals who are actually neurodivergents. They are creatives and they don't want that task. So what's the difference then? There isn't any. I believe that this is something we're all going to have to learn. I believe that we will learn this first and I believe that we will share it and then everyone will have it and it will be a better life for everyone. And that has always been our role for society. And I don't think we should shirk it now. I think we should go into it. First off, I'm going to just define for you what social intelligence is. It's the ability to effectively navigate and understand social situations and relationships. It involves using skills such as empathy, communication, social awareness, emotional intelligence to understand and interact with those in a positive and productive way. Social intelligence is not only about being able to connect with others. It's also about being able to understand social norms and expectations and adapt to different situations and cultures. People with high social intelligence are often able to build stronger relationships, collaborate effectively with others, and lead and inspire teams. Now, that kind of makes me feel like it's talking out of both sides of its mouth, because if you've read anything about highly sensitive people, which those are neurodivergence, highly sensitive people are actually very good 
at surviving in non-native cultures. They usually fit in and develop relationships quite easily and when they move abroad. And the reason for that is that we spend so much more energy and we take in so many more inputs, we we quickly pick up the non-verbal cues. So we can connect with people and understand them, even though they're not from our culture, in ways that others cannot because we easily read between the lines. So we definitely have a higher social intelligence because we can pick up, move to other cultures without really missing a beat. But we struggle in our own culture because we see the big picture. We see how this doesn't serve anyone and how people are expecting others to act a certain way because there's a social contract in place. And right now, I know that the social contract has been broken. I know that our workforce is running on something that they don't deliver on, and yet they're still thinking we should deliver on. We literally have bosses and managers who think that we should not ask for anything, that our lives are expendable for a job, and that the pay, that which is incredibly low and will not pay off in the end, we should never question and we should just do it. That is ludicrously stupid. That doesn't have any logic to it. And I'm confused why anyone would think that's a good social contract. There's plenty of people who truly believe it. And they will tell me that I have a social problem, that I don't have high social intelligence. I don't have high emotional intelligence because I'm saying, why are we doing this? Because I'm saying, this doesn't seem like it's really in my best interest. And I'm saying, I'm going to bow out. I think it's hilarious how silly the situation is right now. And yet, People still are scapegoating neurodivergence like we're the problem. All we are is aware. I doubt we're the only ones aware. If you read the Reddit pages on anti-work, they're not all neurodivergence. They're, they're just a lot of young people who are really getting the brunt of it right now. And I don't blame them for being irate. It's ridiculous. They're aware as well. When we talk about social intelligence, we talk about how the neurotypicals and the neurodivergents have different kinds. They believe that we struggle understanding nonverbal cues or facial expressions and tones of voice and body language. And that makes it more difficult for us. They also recognize some of us might actually have strengths in social co- communication. I have incredible strength in social communication because I'm a big picture seer and I connect with people. But I also notice that when I don't bother giving them their socially expected response, their reaction, their nonverbal reactions, particularly the emotional reactions they have, I feel those and it gives me a huge insight into the person that they are. So those people who have a graciousness and will let me be who I am and allow me to express my intellectual self because my emotional self and my intellect connect. So it just kind of comes out more intellectual than it does emotional. Those people are the kind that I want in my corner. Those are brilliant, smart, easy to work with people. I don't see that part of them until I show them how I naturally move through the world. If I were to meet them where they were at and we just did that, it would be a very nice pleasantry, very average interaction. And they would never get to see the gifts that I have to offer. And I would not be able to see the gifts that they have to offer because obviously their gifts is a graciousness. Their gift is allowing me the space to be me. And that is really rare. I have given people my gift of allowing them the space to be them for 40 years of my life. And most of the time I didn't get back anything for that interaction. And when I stopped doing that and started being more true to myself and presented myself as I really do move to the world, people sort of will pivot and turn like I'm not a human. They will call me out on things and say, you know, you can't say that that's inappropriate, but I'm not saying anything that's not true or valid or actually 
enlightening. I am very much saying the truth, the validness and enlightening. And people are like, oh, that's controversial. You shouldn't talk about that. And what I'm trying to do is give them a chance to hear the truth, to see the truth, and to see that someone who's fairly average, who doesn't have a lot of power, who is not this amazing wealthy, can speak their truth and is still living and breathing the next day. We have been brainwashed into being so afraid to speak our truth, to speak what we actually see. We are all so afraid of losing our well-being, our way of living, our connections, when in reality, they will still be there. In fact, by being truthful, by being ahead of the time, by speaking my truth, I look in the long run smarter and more aware. I have a futurist brain. I have, I'm certified as a futurist, but I also have that brain. I've always had that brain. And I was just talking to somebody recently and he was saying, why are we always ahead? Like I'm always five years ahead and people mock me at first, but then that five year goes by and they're like, whoa, you kind of knew this, didn't you? And I'm like, welcome to the club. We take in just more information. So we know what's going to happen because we can pattern it and see. I mean, that's kind of our whole gift. The 3D gift of seeing and learning and knowing is future. I mean, it's past, present, future. With the 2D world, you're not getting the future. They just eliminate it because they thought with the 2D learning perspective, they thought if they can keep everybody just focused on the present, which is what capitalism does, and we have scarcity and all these other things, and we've had more abundance than ever. If we keep people focused on the present, they won't be able to tell where the future is going and they won't be able to get on those early opportunities. Purposely, our society, our education system has left out the big picture seers. It has left out the futurists and now is trying to bring them back into the fold, but it has not cultivated them. So the people who are out there that are big picture seers, they're big picture thinkers, they're futurists, naturally are just going to be the neurodivergence because this hasn't been cultivated in the neurotypicals. And when I went to my classes for it, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm feel like an oddball here because I can see this stuff. And these people are like arguing with me and telling me I'm a pessimist. And I'm like, I'm not a pessimist. This is the reality for my social hierarchy, for my social communication, for my social intelligence. I am more aware. I am always been more aware that I see a different picture than other people. It's not like I don't see theirs. It's just like they don't see mine. And that is a struggle. It's a struggle for me to move through the world knowing that I am going to have to repress a very large portion of myself to be in this conversation, to work at this place, to deal with these people. It is always there for me. I always know. And that is my social intelligence. It's a knowing that I am not going to be valued because they are not focusing on the future. And when you're in a workforce right now, if you're in a workplace and they are not valuing your neurodivergence, they are not valuing your social intelligence, they are not valuing your future abilities and your 3D thinking, you should get out of it because you're going to be more and more in demand. We have hit our two degrees on the environmental thing. The earth is going to be trying to rid itself of us as pests. And as such, it is going to go through so much turmoil. And you are one of the few people that will be able to see it. And you need to go into that because your star is rising. You need to go and embrace who you are. And, and you need to not let people tell you that you're socially inept because you're not socially inept. You're socially aware. And we have these silly narratives put out by the society to keep everybody focused on the present and to keep them scared and buying things and worried, but not actually allow them to try to get in front of it themselves. 
my family, we're in front of this. Whatever comes in the future, we have mobility. We have made our jobs so that we don't have to be stuck anywhere. We have very much been working on this because we have seen this coming. And other people are mad at us because they don't want us to be doing something about it because it makes them nervous that they're not doing something about it. And we've had a lot, a lot of people go because they were like, no, you can't do it. You can't respond to this. You can't do this because it scares them. And I get that. But if I move to a place that's safe, then if you have a problem, you can come live with me. If you're kind to me, if you're not beating me down, if you're not making me feel stupid for doing something proactive, I have always struggled with my family because I was constantly saying, well, why don't we get ahead of this and do blah, blah, blah. And they're like, why do you have to be this way? Why can't you just chill? I can chill when I'm being proactive and I've done in front of it. And the social intelligence I had was like, all right, just say nothing. If I said nothing, I would get in trouble for not being on it. And if I said something, I would get in trouble for being annoying. You can't win. It's set up against us. We are scapegoated in our society. And the social intelligence definition I just gave you is talking out of both sides of its mouth. You can't be both of these things. I cannot be good at communicating and productive if I know there's nothing productive there to get. I walk into situations. I am very astute and good at seeing where the things are going to go. And I know generally it's going to take years for people to come along to where I'm at. And I don't feel like spending that time. It's not productive to me to sit there and take it and wait. This definition, just like emotional intelligence, serves the system. It does not serve you. And guess what? Since the system is no longer serving you, you should be serving you and knowing that this is half bullcrap. I want you to be successful. I want you to be aware of it. When you're feeling those feelings of malcontent or the whole rebel, I know there's this one girl out there, she calls herself the rebel neurodivergent or the neurodivergent rebel. And I think, yeah, of course you feel that way. Every day of my life, I sat in school going, why do I feel so much frustration and sort of an animosity towards what I'm being told. And the older I got, the more the messages, because this doesn't apply to you, because they're gaslighting you, because this is all about oppressing you into being a good little girl instead of being your best self. Yeah, we have all those feelings. When my son was going through the system, I remember one of the psychologists, PA, a physician's assistant for psychology, I think he has ODD. And I was like, he doesn't have ODD. He's just angry at the school for gaslighting him, for making him feel like he's stupid when he's already ahead of the class. That is cause for anger. That doesn't seem to me to be unreasonable. That's not a crazy thing to have. He doesn't have ODD. He just is frustrated with this whole system. I don't blame him. The system is stacked against him. But that's not ODD. That's recognition of the fact that it's working against him, not with him. He's not being educated. He's just being conditioned. Why are you saying that he has a issue with his brain when in reality, his brain's higher functioning if he's noticing that? But that's how our system does it. It takes all the male formations or just the poor construction of the system and that's serving upward to people who are not serving downward and it blames the individual for having the problem. I'm going to tell you something I realized this week. When we have all that learning disability information, they're actually giving us a gift. I realized that my learning disabilities, which are abundant, I have all of them, are just me 3D thinking. I need to have that hands-on, top-down, conceptual sort of learning. That's how I learn. It doesn't mean I didn't learn in the system, but I learned it was a very inefficient way for me to learn. When I am learning, I learn by 
creating this beautiful sweeping knowledge of what I'm learning. And I know that it's unconscious or subconscious just did when I was my two-year-old self. I have not grown out of my subconscious learning style. I have to some degree grown into my conscious learning style, but I'm, I have never grown out of my subconscious learning style. I am very much a subconscious learner. I learn things by creating this artificial tornado that I sort of sit in and take it in all as many sensing ways as I can. And I don't have to think about it. And it's funny, I will keep building that and building that and building that. And then I will come in for a second pass for the details. But the details are usually me creating it. In my initial run, I'll go through and learn all these things by watching it, reading about it, looking at other people's versions of it, looking at the finished product, looking at the partial products, looking at the just the variables that go into it. And then in the end, I will then try to do it myself. And it's in the trying to do that I learn and fill in the details, but not before then. And I have to get that big picture so that I know all the different ways I can try to do it. And I find that that's the artist's way. And that's definitely how my brain works. Now, what I learned just recently was all of those learning disabilities or learning differences, they give me an insight into how I laid down my information into my long-term memory. I am neurodivergent. Yes, I do have dyscalculia, dysgraphia, dyslexia. I also have hypercalculia, hyperlexia, hypergraphia, which is ironic, isn't it? I am both extremely talented at those things and also weak. And I realized why. It is because the system takes it and makes me drive it through my conscious, like these like little one facts, multiplication tables, four times four equals 16, and just keep doing it over. And it drives this one little peg from my conscious to my subconscious. And then I just have this random fact hanging out there. But it doesn't connect to my bigger picture. It does not connect to my patterns. It's just sort of a random fact. And they actually are doing that for all of the learning for those who are learning in the system. But I don't learn naturally that way. That's not how my memory, my amazing long-term memory, which has all of the details and all of everything I've ever seen, that's not how all of that sits in my brain. So I just have these weird spikes of knowledge that the school makes me regurgitate, but I don't necessarily connect that to my big patterns. Now, eventually they will connect. And even now that you're in our 40s, this is why genius comes up in midlife, because people are finally connecting all of those little facts that they got in their schooling now and seeing the bigger picture. There's a huge chunk of people who are really bright in the system that never see that big connection, never see it. And when I go to them as a neurodivergent, they insist that I'm not, they insist that I'm something else, they insist that I'm delusional almost in my saying, this is what I know about myself. Those are the same people who will insist that you don't know what you know because they're the doctor and you're just the patient. That is a 2D thinker. Those are not the people you want for your medical professions or your teachers because you need to be seen and you're not in that case. They just can't fathom what you're talking about. Another thing I learned was that all of our mood disorders, they connect to our learning disorders. The mood disorders that I feel when I'm doing certain things, I've realized they bring up those patterns. They bring up that information from my long-term memory. A learning disorder is how I lay it down, and a mood disorder is how my brain brings it up. And there's so many people that I talk to who have no learning disorders. They have no problem laying it down. Their brain does that 2D, 3D thing, and they are HSPs, and they do admit that they can see both 2D and 3D or learn in both 2D and 3D. But I find that they'll have anxiety disorders, or I'll find that they have OCD. And the interesting thing is that 
I realize their information is coming up in excess. There's no winning for us that if you're neurodivergent, if you don't have trouble laying it into your memory, then you end up on the flip side having trouble with too much of it coming up and you constantly have anxiety and your brain saying, hey, this isn't 3D. You need to finish this picture off. Hey, you should have this information. You want to get this whole picture. You want to constantly know what's going on at work in the whole big picture. And you're not being given that information at work. They don't truly let you know what's going on at work because they want you to keep you on edge so that you're always overworking and never feel safe so that you can relax. They do that so that you're constantly putting in more to them out of fear. And that is captivity. <laughs> Having high social intelligence, I am all too aware as a neurodivergent that our workforce runs like we live in an emotional and mental captivity. That's not okay. We're never going to reach our full genius. And if you step out and positively disintegrate like you are supposed to as a higher gifted neurodivergent, as a higher gifted person, you will find amazing abilities. Amazing abilities like an emotional and social intelligence way beyond that it was when you were in it. Because now all those messages that you are either laying down with or bringing up with your learning disability or your mood disorder is not a learning disability or a mood disorder, but actually a functioning of your brain that's delivering messages and saving them. I hope this one was valuable for you. I hope that you guys can use what I'm saying in a good way and understand that this is about cultivating you to be your absolute best. If you cannot get out of the system right now, I'm not here to make you feel worse about it. What I'm here to do is try to help you find that place where you can. It took me years to get out. I didn't get out well into my 30s. It took me years to believe that I wasn't going to starve to death because I was working for myself. It took me years to believe that even though I had been doing it. It's very scary. I get that. And I don't want to diminish the fact that all of those things are very, very scary. But you you are exceptionally more capable than most to do this. Your high sensing is the, what allows us all to leave these situations. This has happened many millions of times over the lifetime of humanity, where we build these societies and the societies go sideways because inevitably they do because the social contracts gets lost. And the lower class and the middle class and the upper middle class realizes they're getting a really bad deal. And they have to get out. And there's many ways you can do it. You can revolt or you can figure out how to use the emerging technology that's coming with AI and your brilliance to pivot and get out. That's my podcast for this week, guys. I hope this was of value too. If you have any questions or you want to touch base with me and you want to be on the podcast, please email me at info at giftednd.com. I appreciate you listening. Thank you and have a good week. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent Gifted ND Incorporated, Lillian Skinner, or the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This podcast, Lillian Skinner, and Gifted ND Incorporated are not responsible and do not verify the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. The Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast is only available for private, non-commercial use. Any other use of the information contained within this podcast must be done with express written approval and knowledge of Lillian Skinner. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute any part of this podcast. The developer assumes no liability for this podcast or its use on any other podcast or other media.